good morning. Nice. Yes. Um, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking that how blessed we've been in recent weeks by the, the speakers of the pad. I mean, the, the, the learned Reverend Dr. Mark, and uh, the, the brilliant right way that uh, Simon put together his message. We had the, 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 the passion of Claude with, the, with his uh, speaking, and the, and the wonderful Bible based teaching um, from, from David. Uh, he even says, you take us back and show us what the original Greek says. Well, not this morning, I'm afraid. It's all more a question of the, the lady that the book of um, Christian messages. And that's it. I mean, that, that's not necessarily such a bad thing because, as the late um, Canon Williams wanted to say, that when the Spirit moved to the gathering, he could stand and recite nursery rhymes, and people would still get convicted and get saved. So, Lord, that's the spirit we need this morning. We don't move your, your spirit here this morning. Because I think I've got the right message. Because I first asked, what, what, well, you're obviously doing something here, Jesus. What, 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 how do we move this on? And he said, well, just do that build on, on, on what I'm doing. I went back and asked again, so I asked the association of ideas, because of what we've got going on, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this, my lines crossed. But no, it was quite clear. No, get yourself out of, out of the way. Building is not just putting a structure up. It's um, build all sorts of things. You can build a business, you can build machinery. I mean, um, the one thing that all these things have in common is, is that they need a plan. There has to be a structure, a, a reason for it. Um, a business has a business plan. If you're building something mechanical, you might need a, a Haynes manual to, 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 to help you through. But the fact that there is a plan is a sure indication that there's a purpose to what's going on. It's not some haphazard you know, idea from going nowhere. That if there's a plan, there's a purpose. And for any of these things to be successful, they have to have the right foundation. Because like a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, so anything you build is only as sound as the foundation is built on. So we then looked, I mean, some obvious references in scripture um, to building. I mean, the, the very obvious one in, um, I've got to find these things, in, in Matthew's Gospel, which everyone no doubt thinks of straight away, with um, Matthew seven, yes, verses And it fell with a great crash. 
Now, of course, Jesus speaking there is an illustration. He's not actually suggesting that, that having listened to his words, everyone else is going to build a house. I'm sorry, Gary, we've got that wrong. It's, um, he's talking about something completely different. Although Jesus himself probably would have been quite familiar with building techniques. Because when Mark is there, but when, when we went on the, the, the trip to Halloween with part of Mark's leading, when we went um, to Nazareth, they, they had tried to reconstruct some of the um, uh, what life was like in, 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 in Jesus' time. And some of the things that, that were, well, the, the trades and some of the machinery and stuff they put together. And one thing they did tell us was that Joseph's business, he was a carpenter, but it wouldn't probably wouldn't be a cabinet maker, not some sort of early version of Chippendale making expensive furniture. He would be the woodworker and would have been engaged, like the Chippies are on building sites, in, in all sorts, every range of, of, of woodwork. So Jesus would probably very familiar with building techniques. And his audience would have known too that. Now, if you want to build a house and get out quickly, you rake off some sand and you can, but by the time they've actually formed the foundation of the rock, you've got your, your house built. But yeah, but what have you got at the end of it? Of course, Jesus wasn't concerned with a physical structure. He was going to build his church, a spiritual body. And uh, how does Psalm 127 again. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labour in vain. Now that's the first essential lesson that we as a church need to learn. We must maintain that any fool can work for nothing. And I sometimes think I spend most of my life proving that's true. But the fact is, if Anything we are going to build is to be a value to God. It has to be His plan. Now, what is Jesus building? Uh, in Matthew again, chapter 16, is it? Yes. Peter 
chapter 2. to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in his eye, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, it is wonderful now. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You're not surprised that he gave me his name. Um, Peter has a bit to say about building stars. And a couple of weeks ago, Claude was telling us that us as believers with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit become one unit, yeah, united, one unit. Peter is telling us that this unit is in fact a living stone, that we're not destined to be an individual separate from everybody else. We are all to be living stones built in to the spiritual house that God is building. This is part of his plan. That's who we are, that's what we are for. That we have this unique interdependent bond as, as part of the Church of Jesus. What we have is the plan of the Father built on the foundation of the Son by the power of the Spirit. And most of they had some thoughts from this which didn't seem to necessarily fit entirely with this theme. And I was going to leave them out, but then I got a strong sense that no, this, this, is, this is all part of the message. And perhaps it's to stress the, you know, the, the, the importance of, um, of, of that simple verse at the beginning of Psalm 127. You know, unless the Lord build the house and the builders labour in vain. Just tell us that, um, that we, we can't take things for granted, that we, are, we work to the Lord's plan. But um, it, we're not working to some sort of dead specification, but actually it's a, a living relationship, and we have to maintain that living relationship to keep on, on, on plan. Because we have a spiritual enemy, not something we often like to talk about, but just as Jesus' plan is to build his spiritual house, our enemy wants to, to, to just stop the building, disrupt the body. And we have to remember he's not some scaly skinned, red eyed, horned monster with a forked tail. This is Lucifer, a fallen angel, the, the 
said to be the most beautiful of all creation. And he doesn't face his head on and, and, and show us what his plans are, because he knows we're going to follow them. He's a bit more subtle than that. And if he can just nudge us a degree or two off course, and then let us proceed, the further we go, the further we go off the path. And so we have to keep a constant check, go back to the plans, make sure that we are on God's plan, or we're just laboring in vain. And of course his masterstroke is to create division within the church. And the church is rarely damaged by opposition from outside. In fact, it's usually strengthened by opposition from outside. The greatest danger is, is if we can sow some and descend from within. And this also teaches that there's always a, a context and a balance to Christian life. You know, we're saved by faith, not by works, but faith without works is dead. Um, we're told to seek first the kingdom of God and these other things will be added. Now that's not some form of spiritual trade-off. That is the way it works. If you're on the right route, if you're going the right way, then all these things are on the path that you're on, and you pick them up. I know that, I think C.S. Lewis said that, that, that Christians make two errors in relation to their dealings with Satan in equal measure. One is that they pay him too much attention, and the other is that they pay him too little attention. So it is, it's finding this balance, and in the work of the church, that, that we have to have this balance between inspiration and perspiration. There's the, the, the power of God and our contribution, but it always has to be loaded heavily towards inspiration. Because it, it, if it's going to be left to ourselves, well, we won't be working uh, within God's plan, and, and um, it's, um, yeah, we we'll soon be off, off, off. So we get the balance wrong. But what happens when we get the balance right? Now, in, um, there's some clear instructions in, 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 in Luke. Um, this is Jesus speaking before he ascends, after it's after the resurrection. And in uh, Luke 24, verses 45 to 49. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He said to them, This is what is written The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are a witness of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. But what happens when, when, when we get the balance right? If we follow the plan and follow the instructions, It's one, just one verse in um, Acts chapter 2. I'll find it, but I, probably, I could 
Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And what did the disciples do? They just followed the simple instructions. When the foundation is right, when the, the foundations of Jesus, when the master plan is followed, and the Lord is allowed to build by his spirit, Incredible things happen. I mean, Claude was telling us last week to expect the unexpected. I, I struggled over that because being a bit pedantic, I think that the moment you expect it, it ceases to be unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I would say is don't limit your expectations. But how do we set our expectations? And, 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 and I mean, we, we strive to find God's plan. Um, we have the foundation of Jesus. We are believers. But there seems to be something missing from what is happening here in Acts. And do we see the evidence of the power of the Spirit at work individually and, and as, as our church? I know you're saying, well, of course we forgot the Spirit because we wouldn't know who Jesus was without the witness of the, of the Holy Spirit. And that's true. But I wonder if we're into this situation that I heard described way back, certainly in the 80s, maybe even the late 70s, where um, Lance Lambert, who was a, a Christian Israeli who took a lot of speaking around this, this country, was, was talking about church and church members in particular, and their response to the Holy Spirit. And he says, it's like a man that goes down to the beach in North Cornwall. Don't think it was cool, because he wasn't going down there at that time. Take him in the bucket, goes down to the water's edge, dips it in, holds it up and says, I've got the Atlantic Ocean in this bucket. There's a sense in which that's true. But Given the totality of the Atlantic Ocean, it's, yeah, well, see for yourself. And I wonder how we got ourselves into that situation in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because we all need the empowering, baptism, infilling, refilling, anointing, whatever I like to call it. We need that inspiration. And, and the fact that we don't have it, if we don't have it, is absolutely crazy because there's an unlimited supply. We don't need any special equipment for it. We don't even need an HGV driver. We've not made up some unreasonable demand on God. I mean, it's His promise to us. And yet somehow, it just doesn't seem to get fulfilled. One of the issues is, of course, that we do have to ask. I mean, it, it, it's in Revelations where I would stand at the door and knock. 
and you have to open that door to, to, um, to let him in. So, how wide have we opened that? Have we opened that door? We all need this. I know, and, it, and then you might say, well, yeah, I, yes, I know that. I did that years ago. But it's not a one-off experience. I mean, if you did it years ago and you've still got that spirit, then it's a waste of time because you've bottled it up and kept it. It's meant to be used. It's not there to, to um, just for your own retention. And the fact is we have people in this church that there would be, when you can pray with each other, you can pray with yourself. But we have people here who would be more than happy to pray with you to, to just break free and, and, and to have this flooding of the Holy Spirit which every church needs, we all need as individuals. And if you just just do that, I can tell you, and I can't tell you what your experience will be, but I can tell you one thing, it won't be done. But there will be consequences, of course. And just leave you with the, with the one thought. Hoping with 3,000 people in one day might be a bit of a stretch on resources, but wouldn't you like to give it a go?